Welcome back to Bible time, Colossians 3, verse 9. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, verse 10, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would open our understanding of this passage. I pray, Lord God, that we would be able to comprehend what is the height and depth and length and breadth of this subject, Lord God, though we may not be able to to go all the way down to the bottom of it, Lord God, at least to get the idea, Lord God, of the parameters of this so we can understand the old man and the new man. Help us, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord, to teach this. If it's your will for me to preach it all, Lord God, help me to preach it. But I pray, Lord God, that your will would be done. Lord, I'm inadequate and my mind is inadequate to describe this and to be to adequately teach it. Help us, Lord, just to learn from your word. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds and our understanding, our hearts, and make this real to us today, Lord God. I pray that you would do a great work in our hearts through this teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. So here in chapter 3, he began this chapter with, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So right off the bat in chapter 3, pay attention this morning. Right off the bat in chapter 3, we have a contradiction as far as human understanding is concerned. There are no contradictions in the Bible. But there are thousands, if not millions, of apparent contradictions, of things that do not make sense at first glance. If, you're, if you have a heart to, um, to fight against God, to rebel against God, you can find all the ammunition you need in the Bible. God wrote it that way on purpose, that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not hear, lest at any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and believe in their heart, and I should heal them, said the Lord Jesus Christ. God wrote the Bible in such a way that people that do not want him, people that reject him, can reject him, and they can... They can, do, they can make their own doctrines and their own religion and their own ideas. And God gave us the truth in such a way that if you want to, you can miss it. If you want to miss God, you can miss God. God, gave, God wrote the Bible, as, as people say, he gives you enough rope to hang yourself with in the word of God. God wrote it in such a way that if your heart is backwards and reprobate and against God, you can you can prove your own ideas and philosophies all the way to the judgment. And at the judgment, Christ will show you how foolish you were and that what you what you believed was wrong, and then you'll be cast in the lake of fire. You say, that's not fair. Well, tell it to the judge. He's the judge. And he's going to judge you. And he's going to judge what you think. He's going to judge every idle thought. Or every idle word, the Bible says. I'm sorry. He's going to judge the thoughts of men. And the intents of man's hearts. And God does things on purpose to expose the thoughts and intents of man's heart. He does it all the time. People say, well, um, that's like entrapment. Well, 
Um, it would be if if God was making you do something you would not otherwise do, then that would be entrapment. But that is not what God does. God instead sets up your life, and He sets up the word, and He has written the word of God in such a way, and He sets up the circumstances of your life so that you will expose what you are. And that is because he is just and he is holy. It says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. And he's looking for someone whose heart is perfect towards him. And when he finds that one, he exposes that their heart is perfect towards him by placing them in difficult circumstances that will prove that their heart is perfect towards him. Just like Job, who the worst, uh, as bad as it got, the worse it got, Job continued to follow God. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And he does that for everyone. He'll give everyone an opportunity to sink or swim. He will make sure that if you don't like him, he will make sure that if you don't like his book, he will make sure that if you don't want to know the truth, that you find plenty of opportunity to believe a lie. Because he's just and he's holy and he is um, he's the judge. If you don't like that, then you're already sunk. It says here, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. So if you be risen... To be risen is to be alive. If you're risen, you're alive. But then in verse 3, he says, for you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ. So this is an absolute contradiction in human mortal terms. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, which means put to death. I thought you were dead already. If you're dead, how can you put be put to death or put to death something if you're already dead? But he says, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience <clears throat> in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them but now ye also put off all these anger wrath malice blasphemy filthy communication out of your mouth lie not one to another seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him now here in verse 9 and 10 God gives us the answer to the apparent contradiction that has already been shown in chapter 3 and through much of the Bible and the answer is in the old man and the new man We've already looked at the death that we are found in judicially by God as we studied the um, chapter 2. We looked at how that we were buried with him by baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through faith, the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So there in chapter 2, we saw that God sees us as dead in sins. And we looked at that in Ephesians 2. Um, um, you who were dead in trespasses and sins, hath he quickened together with him. So there's the condition of spiritual death that we studied in detail. And if you don't understand that and you haven't um, gone through that teaching, you haven't studied it out in the Bible, I, I just encourage you to go and study it out. <coughs> if you missed that um, in our... Um, podcast and you're online listening if you missed that go back and look it up in Ephesians or Colossians chapter 2 um, look for the reference um, Colossians 2 13 read it for yourself study it out so here we are in a spiritually dead state spiritually separated from God and we examined that and we came to the understanding biblically that God sees the spirit as the most important 
part of the man. The spirit is the most godlike part of the man. Pay attention right here. Eyes. <coughs> Your spirit is the part that is able to commune with God. Your spirit is the part that is able to, as it were, see God because you cannot see God with your eyes. We're going to see a verse today, Lord willing, if we, if I didn't um, lose it in my jotting down of my notes, um, how that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Your spirit is that part which has is able to deal with God. But God made Adam a body, and then he breathed into Adam the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And that soul that God created was created um, not only with a soul, but with a spirit. And that spirit is evidenced by the fact that Adam walked with God and talked with God. And he did it without shame, and he did it without any um, kind of inhibitions. He was able to commune perfectly with God in the garden. And God told Adam, in the day that ye eat thereof, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, ye shall surely, what? Die. And Adam ate of the fruit, and what did he do? What happened to him? He died, that's right. He died spiritually, and that is not a cop-out, that's the reality. The greater part of Adam died. The lesser part, the shell of Adam remained. The body and the soul of Adam remained. Now, God spared Adam bodily to give him time, and how did he give Adam time for repentance? How did he grant him a space for repentance? What did he do physically in the Garden of Eden? Somebody tell me. Remember, they clothed themselves with um, fig leaves. They made an apron of fig leaves. And the Bible says that after God cursed them, he's got, but during the curse, in the midst of the curse, God promised a deliverer. And then based on the promise of the seed of the woman that would bruise the head of the serpent, God clothed them with coats of skin. So God provided a sacrifice, a substitute and that substitute was probably the um, a bull or a goat or a sheep, um, very likely a sheep. And he clothed them with coats of skin, the Bible says. The Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, but that those pointed forward to a better sacrifice, a better system that God would someday do. All of that tied in with the deliverer and there God provided Adam a space of repentance through a temporary temporal sacrifice. And when Adam believed God that God would send a deliverer, Adam's belief in God is why God spared him to the degree that Adam believed him. Now, we find that held true with Abraham. The Bible says Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. God told Adam, and these shall all the nations of the world be blessed. And God God imputed righteousness to Abraham based on his faith in the promise of God. God called Abraham before there was a law. <coughs> before there was a written law, I should say. The law of God is perfect. And the law of God has always been. It was just codified on Mount Sinai. Now, <coughs> excuse my cough today. Here in our text, he says that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him. So the old man is the man that you were born in. Uh, go to John chapter 3. And while you're going, I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 5. John chapter 3, 
2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Think about that for a minute. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. A new creature. Now, you would say if you looked out at a field and saw cows, you could rightly say there are some creatures And whenever that cow is standing there and it's fully grown and it's trying to swat flies with its tail and you look at that creature, you would not say there is a new creature. But whenever that cow gives birth and out comes a brand new baby calf, you would say there is a new creature. Creature is very obviously and very specifically a literal physical creation. And here the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? That word creature gives us the idea of creation, something that is created, a created being. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're going to look at that a little more once we get um, through a few more scriptures. And hopefully the Lord will open our understanding as we go, or we are dead in the water if he doesn't. John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, we've looked at this before, um, but it's something we just got to keep looking at over and over again. It's worth looking at. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So here Nicodemus is looking at the creation of the physical body. His focus is on the physical creature. I want everybody here to raise your left hand up in the air and wiggle it. Now, what you just wiggled is part of your creature. That's part of your body. That's the physical body. And that's what Nicodemus was thinking about whenever Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he said, can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and in the context there of being born the first time of his mother's womb, Nicodemus gave us the context. Jesus answered, Jesus always, listen to me, Jesus always spoke to people in their terms. He didn't come to them and speak in these high-minded philosophical analogies like a bunch, like all your theologians are going to tell you he did. He, he spoke to people in plain terms, and he spoke to them in the terms that they spoke in. Jesus Christ allowed Nicodemus to set the stage for one of the greatest analogies of salvation in the Bible. Jesus let Nicodemus set the terms, set the picture. Nicodemus said, can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, and verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. That's the amniotic fluid in the mother's womb. And you say, no, it's not. And I tell you, and this is what I say to you, Mr. No, it's not. Prove to me from the Bible, from the word of God, not from some theologian, not from some commentary. You prove to me by comparing scripture to scripture. Show me Bible verses that prove that the water that Jesus is talking about is something other than the mother's womb. I will show you here that it is the mother's womb based on scripture. If you can show me that it's something else and use scripture to do it, rightly divided, scripture with scripture, scripture defining scripture, I will change. But I'm going to ask you something today. 
if your doctrine cannot be proven using scripture to define scripture, comparing scriptural verses with scriptural verses in the 66 books of the authorized version Bible, if you cannot prove your doctrine using scripture, will you change? Who is the closed-minded one here today? I will change if you can show me from the Bible that my doctrine is wrong. Will you change if I show you from the Bible that your doctrine is wrong? Who is the one that is closed-minded? Who's the one that is bigoted today? It's the one that refuses to change even though the Bible is clear. That's the bigot. That's the closed-minded individual. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Help us, Lord, today. Please fill me with your spirit. Help me to express these things spiritually, Lord God, though I use literal terms from a literal mouth, Lord, and a physical body. I pray that you'd illuminate our minds and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? What a preposterous, absolutely ridiculous idea for a full-grown man to enter into his mother's womb and to be born. The mother would burst. Not to mention all of the other absurdities. Now, this is just like our Lord Jesus. Nicodemus's question was almost on the verge of blasphemy. If you think about it for just a second. <clears throat> Nicodemus, whenever he said that to Jesus, his question was so ridiculous. Can a man enter into his mother's womb and be born that it was borderline blasphemy? There's so many violations that would have to be done. There's violations of nature for a man to enter into his mother's womb. There's violations of morality. Do you hear me today? In Leviticus, it talks about how a man cannot even see the nakedness of his mother. There's violations of morality. There's violations of nature. There's violations of common sense. The whole thing is so preposterous and so ridiculous that it doesn't even really warrant answering. Yet Jesus Christ, in his mercy and his long suffering, decides to use, decided to use the very thing that Nicodemus would say to illustrate for us a truth that is so preposterous to our minds that it is almost impossible to grasp. And that is the idea of the new man and the old man. So here Jesus said, or Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Verse six, that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Right there, Jesus Christ defined for us what it means to be born of the water and born of the spirit. If you're born of the flesh, you are born of the water. The flesh is the mother's womb, the water, the amniotic fluid. He says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, I know that if you're one of these high-minded intellectual types, and you've read your books and your commentaries and all this stuff, you're going to reject this interpretation of Scripture, and you're going to say, you've got your opinion, and I've got my opinion. But I want to tell you today, I'm not bringing you opinion. I'm bringing you the Word of God. And if you reject this interpretation of the word of God, you are rejecting the word of God. The Bible says there is no private interpretation. 
The word of God has no private interpretation. No theologian, no pope, no cardinal, no bishop, no elder, no pastor, no preacher, no apostle, no prophet has any right to interpret the word of God the way that they see it. Muhammad has no right to interpret the word of God the way he sees it. Joseph Smith has no right to interpret the word of God the way he sees it. Benny Hinn has no right to interpret the word of God the way that he sees it. Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and all the rest of them, nobody has any right to interpret the word of God the way that they see it. The Bible is clear that the Bible is God's word and that God defines his own word. God promised that he would give us his word and he promised to preserve his word forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. That will keep them, O Lord, from this generation forever. And I butchered up that verse. And there are hundreds of verses throughout the Bible that deal with the concept of God preserving his word. The words of the Lord are pure words. He says, thou wilt keep them, O Lord, forever. Not the living word, the words, little w, with a plural s on it. The words of the Lord are pure words. Thou wilt keep them, O Lord, forever. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And for the Lord is good, his truth endureth to all generations. Every word of God is pure. Every word, singular, every single word, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to them that put their trust in him. Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. He told Jeremiah, go and speak all the words that I command thee to speak. He said, diminish not a word. The words in your Bible are spoken by God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And those men were commanded not to diminish a word. God said in Revelation, if any man takes away from the words of this book, I will add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. You are not to tamper with one jot or one tittle. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. He said, till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now your most extreme uh, theologian, as far as kingdom now theology, your most extreme theologians cannot and will not claim that absolutely everything in the word of God is fulfilled. At least I've never met one that would hold to that. And until that happens, and I don't agree with that kingdom now stuff, you have to go off the deep end and, and you have to twist and pervert scripture to get that stuff. But in any case, even those guys don't say it's all fulfilled. And Jesus said, until, until heaven and earth, he said, heaven and earth will pass away. My words shall not pass away. And he said, <coughs> Till heaven and earth pass, not one jot or one tittle shall pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So, if we have the word of God and the word of God is true, then you have no right to a private interpretation. If you are going to understand the word of God, what does it mean by the old man? What does it mean by the new man? You are going to have to humble yourself before God and before his word. You are going to have to accept the word of God as the word of God. As long as you hold in your mind any kind of concept or idea that the word of God has questionable sayings, it has doubtful things in it, there's things that we can't really understand or comprehend without the aid of human commentary and theological experts, you are set up for failure and disaster. 
until you get settled in your heart and in your mind that the word of God is perfect and it is pure, it is true, it is righteous altogether, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb, until you get to the point where the word of God is more precious to you than your necessary food, and you're willing to throw out every commentary and every Christian book that's ever been written by anybody apart from God himself, and hold to nothing but the 66 books of the word of God as truth and as the rule for life and everything, you are dead in the water. We can go we can go round and round and round. I can get on here and teach till I am blue in my the face. I can preach. I can yell. I can holler. I can shout. I can do everything I can do. And at the end of the day, until you get it settled in your heart that the word of God is pure, it is perfect, it is preserved, it is alive, and it is profitable, all of it today, for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto every good work. You are dead in the water spiritually. You will not move forward you will not grow in the grace of our lord jesus christ you will not accomplish anything with any eternal lasting value as long as you hold doubts in your heart about the word of god now god is gracious in that he knows who are his and if you're struggling with these doubts god will allow you to move forward and make progress for the kingdom of god but he will be constantly working in you to perfect that which is lacking and bring you to a place of trust and faith and implicit implicit total trust in the word of god and when he gets you there he will bring forth fruit from your past labors but until you get there <coughs> You have tarnished everything that you've ever done for the Lord. I think of a, of a great man who did great things for the church in the whole debate of evolution and creation. He would come and he would say, he would say to people, the Bible says the world is 6,000 years old. The question of evolution and creation is not a scientific question. It's a faith question. Do you believe God? And I'm not quoting him exactly, but he challenged the churches he challenged the churches to believe the word of God, to trust God against all odds, that it is God's word and you can trust it. And in his older age, under great pressure from the liberal Christian movements, he caved and he cashed in the Bible and he's gone to other versions and his ministry lost power. Now, his work, much of his work will be burned. He shall suffer loss. Nevertheless, his soul shall be saved and I still thank God for the man, I'm for the man, but it is an absolute sorrow, and it is a shame that he departed from the word of God. Everything that says that the Bible's not a Bible. The NIV has more changes in it than the Jehovah's Witness New World Translation. Let that sink into your head for a little while. Now, before we get um, off on that sub subject so deep that we can't ever get back to our subject that we started on, let's just stop right there and get back in our subject. <clears throat> so, all you guys out there that say that to be born of the water and of the Spirit means to be baptized and that God doesn't save you until you're baptized in the church and then you're born of water, show me Scripture. You show me Scripture in its context for your doctrine and all the rest of the weird doctrines out there. And if you can't show me Scripture, then I'm showing you Scripture today and I challenge you, I dare you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to let go of all your vain traditions and human reasoning and commands of men that you've been taught for doctrine 
doctrine and espouse the word of God and take the word of God into your heart, into your mind and submit yourself to the word of God. I dare you find verses in context, directly in context that can prove, show me from John chapter three, show me from John chapter two, show me from John chapter four, where it says, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples show me from John chapter one, show me from John chapter five, show me anywhere in the book of John where Jesus Christ commands people to be baptized, to be saved. Show me and I'll change my doctrine. I'm showing you today in the context that it says here, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. It says the mother's womb, said Nicodemus. How can he enter into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said you must be born of the water, the amniotic fluid that we call water to this day and have called water since time began as far as we know. And then he says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of your mother's womb is flesh. The little baby that comes in the mother's womb, you say, so, and then there's all kinds of doubtful disputations you can get into here. The Bible doesn't deal with, and we're just going to bypass them. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. You must be born of water and of the spirit. You must be first conceived in the water of the womb. You must be conceived within that womb. You must become a living soul, a life which happens at conception. You must have life within you, and you must... What is this saying? There are not spirit babies floating around in heaven that have not yet been born. You're not getting in the kingdom of God until you're born of the water and of the spirit. Life begins at conception, not before conception. This is simple. The Bible defines the Bible. That which is born of the spirit, flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, our text that we started with says, Lie not one to another, seeing you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man... And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So the old man is the man which is born of the flesh. The new man is the man which is born of the spirit. And how Nicodemus said, how can these things be? Jesus said to him, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And that's what Paul's calling to us by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's what he's calling us to in Colossians 3, 9, and 10. He's saying, since you have put off the old man of the flesh, and you have put on the new man of the Spirit, since the wind has blown, live like the wind is blowing. Since the wind has blown and altered your course and altered your direction, put your sails up and live in the power of the wind, of the Spirit of God. Why are you going back to the old oars and trying to paddle your boat across the ocean? Whenever God birthed you by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. Put your sails up. Catch the wind. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You need to put your sails up and catch the wind of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Art thou not a doctor of theology? Art thou not a one of these... What do you even call those other guys? You call them, there's the theologians, scholars. Scholar. Art thou not a scholar? 
Art thou not a master of Israel? Haven't you spent your whole life studying the Bible and you don't understand these things? And Jesus could be saying that today to some of you listening online. He could be saying that to some of us here today. Jesus could be saying to us, art thou a master of Israel? You think you know the Bible? You think you're a preacher? You've got Europe high in denominational headquarters and you don't understand these things? You tell everybody you're spiritual? People are looking to you for advice and counsel as to how to enter the kingdom of God and you don't even understand this most elemental truth? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we, we speak that we do know. That's the Trinity. God the Father, God the Word, God the Holy Ghost speaking. We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Another contradiction. Another flaming absolute impossibility. Nearly everything that Jesus said was an impossibility. Nearly everything. There's very few things that he said (coughs) that were not an impossibility. Rise up and walk, he said to the lame men. And they rose up and walked in spite of the impossibility. You see, we must live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Everything Jesus said nearly was an impossibility, humanly speaking. If you don't get the wind of the Spirit, you're not getting anywhere with Christ. If you try to understand the Bible and understand understand it with human reasoning and human terms without simply placing your faith in Christ. Now listen, here's the great pitfall. You say, oh, well, you can't understand the Bible literally. You must understand it spiritually. And then you literally and physically, intellectually, with your fleshly mind, begin to spiritualize the truths of the Bible into some kind of superstitious hocus pocus with your mind. You missed the whole thing. You've not been born of the Spirit. The wind is not blowing in your sails. You see, the spiritual understanding that God brings to the Bible comes only with faith. The just shall live by faith. And when God talks about the spiritual, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, the natural man cannot receive the things of God. They are foolishness to him. He talks about comparing spiritual things to spiritual. When God does that, he's not saying that we spiritualize away the truth of the Bible. You must believe it literally by faith, and the Spirit of God will illuminate and empower you to live what the Bible says, just like it did to that blind man and that lame man. Listen to me today, you scholars and theologians out there. Listen to me today, you that are so high-minded. You can you think that you can explain away the Bible and you can take the things in the Bible and you pick what's spiritual and you pick what's literal and you are nothing but a private interpretation. All of your beliefs are nothing but a private interpretation of the scripture. Listen to me today. When Jesus said to the lame man, rise up and walk the man sick of the palsy who'd been born of four and let down through the tiles of the roof. And he said, rise up and walk. First, he said to him, thy sins be forgiven thee. That's a spiritual truth and all those scribes and pharisees said who is this man that blasphemes no man can forgive sin but god only and i'm butchering that up go look it up and read it for yourself that man there his sins were forgiven 
but you could not see that his sins were forgiven. Jesus said, so that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power to forgive sins on earth. He saith to the sick of the palsy, arise, take up thy bed and walk. And that man literally and physically took part of a spiritual truth and a spiritual power to do something that literally and physically was completely impossible. And by the power of the Spirit of God, through faith in the word of Jesus Christ, the man rose up, took up his bed, and he walked. Do you see that today? There's, get rid of all this hocus-pocus spirituality stuff. The Bible is a spiritual book. It must be spiritually understood, but let me tell you something. It's a literal spiritual book, and it literally means what it says. It literally means ye must be literally born again to enter into the kingdom of God. You're not going to make it unless there is a literal spiritual birth. It's not some kind of hocus pocus. It's the old man and the new man. The old man, that, that which is flesh and blood, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, says the word of God. You must have a spiritual birth, a literal spiritual birth. You see, here's the thing. As dead men walking, we see spiritual things as some kind of hocus pocus, witchcraft, ephemeral, uh, foggy kind of thing. This stuff that we can't grasp. We can't put our hands on it. We can't touch it. We can't test it. We can't repeat it. We can't get the grips of science on it. So we spiritualize it into something that because we can't test it out, so we think we spiritualize it away and we make it a bunch of goosebump stuff. A bunch of weird spiritualized stuff that you can't really get a grasp on. And that's not at all what God's saying. Did you see what he said? He gave Nicodemus an analogy, didn't he? He explained the spirit to Nicodemus, didn't he, son? And what did he use to explain it? Look at the text that we're reading right here. Verse 8 of John 3. What did he use to explain the spiritual truth? What do you use? Who's got it? Come on. Help me out here. John 3, 8. Get your minds <coughs> engaged. <coughs> Excuse me. What? The wind. He used the wind. Now, the wind is observable. The wind is something that you can repeat. Not, not actually. You cannot repeat the jet streams. But you can repeat tests of the jet streams. Do you hear me today? The wind is observable, but not with your eyes. You can observe the effect of the wind, and the proof of the wind is in the effect of the wind. We get this. That's why we can predict storms and why we have weather tracking. We can predict the wind. Jesus said, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but you can't understand the signs of the times. And that holds true today. Just like we can understand the wind, when you read the Bible, you have got to see the wind in the Bible. If you are looking at the bent trees in the Bible, and you never get past the bent over trees to see the wind that blew the trees down, you're going to miss the whole thing. It is a spiritual book, but the Spirit is literal. Do you hear me today? The Spirit is literal. Then the Spirit has repeatable patterns. The Spirit has observable effects. 
And if your religion doesn't have observable, repeatable, biblical, provable patterns and effects of the work of God in your life, you've got some kind of hocus pocus religion. We've got to get this today. Lord have mercy on us. We live in a day where as soon as we open the Bible, we go into fairy tale land. People look, step through the looking glass with Alice as soon as they open the Bible and they divorce the Word of God from the reality of our daily life. This is a spiritual book, but it is a literal spiritual book. And it means what it says, and it says what it means. So the wind bloweth where it listeth. Now, he gets down here, no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. How can Jesus have come down from heaven and have gone to heaven and be in heaven all at the same time? Your Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made absolute contradictions if you are looking only at the literal physical and not looking at the literal spiritual they're both there jesus christ the word became flesh and dwelt among us the spiritual living word of god became a literal physical word of god forever O lord thy words physical literal words are settled in heaven in heaven spiritual words Physical, literal words and spiritual, literal words. You can have literal truth that is spiritual. Don't let all these Eastern mystics blow your mind. They make this all relative. It's not relative. Two plus two equals four. And the same laws that govern the physical world, the same concepts of truth and false, right and wrong, Adding to, subtracting from, multiplying, dividing, all the basic rules that govern our physical, literal world all around us are in effect in this spiritual world as just as certainly as they are in the physical world. But they have a different effect. Now, how do you get born again? He says here that whoso, he says, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life now the old man is already said to be condemned dead in trespasses and sins so here he says that whosoever believeth in him the man the son of man that would be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, that Jesus himself would be lifted up on the cross of Calvary, that whosoever looketh to him for salvation can be saved. Look unto him and live. Look and live. Look unto me, all ends of the earth, and be saved, says God Almighty, Jesus Christ, in the Old Testament. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved he that believeth on him is not condemned but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God here Jesus is giving you a literal rebirth of a literal spiritual being that has literal effects, that has a literal personality. 
that has a literal eternity that has a literal destiny, a literal spiritual being, not some kind of ephemeral idea. Listen to me today. If you're part of a group or a church or an organization that has told you that you are born again because you jumped through their hoops, you got baptized, you did their little thingies and went through their ceremonies and they say, now you're born again. But there is no literal new life living within you, a new personality, a changed nature living within you, desiring the things of God, understanding the things of God, communing with God Almighty. You have not been born again. Being born again is not some kind of ephemeral spiritual goosebumps running up and down the back of your neck type of thing. Being born again is just as literal as your first birth. In your first birth there was a time of conception. There was a time of gestation where you grew in the womb and there was a time of being born where you came out of the mother's womb and were a literal person. And that's how you got here today. And if you're born again by the Spirit of God, there will be a time of conception where the Holy Spirit of God begins to convict your heart and you suddenly realize that you are a sinner, something far beyond your comprehension ever before. The Holy Spirit of God dealing with you in your heart and the voice of God echoing through the chambers of your heart. Whenever you read or hear the Word of God, something inside of you is awakened, something inside of you is conceived by a power and by the work of the Holy Spirit of God and not of man. No preacher can do it. Nobody can do it but the Holy Spirit of God. And when the voice of God through the word of God begins to convict your heart that you're a sinner, something happens inside that now those things that you used to do with impunity, you didn't care. It didn't bother you to steal as long as you could get away with it. It didn't bother you to covet as long as you could get away with it. It didn't bother you to look with lust as long as you could get away with it and it didn't embarrass you culturally but now all of a sudden something has changed in your heart something has been conceived by the power of God and the reality of sin and the reality of your standing before God in a deep deep condition of sin and an impossible situation that you cannot redeem yourself from begins to open up in your heart and mind and you begin to seek God And as you seek God and you go to church and you read your Bible and you do things to try to make make peace with God, it only gets worse. And that's the gestational period. And as you're going through in the womb of God, your spiritual birth in the womb of God, and you're fighting and trying to do something or be something or be a better person or try and win peace with God by your merit. And you're doing whatever the church tells you to do and whatever the professor tells you to do. But it's not satisfying you. And you come to the end of yourself. You grow in your knowledge of God and the reality of who God is in His holiness, in His righteousness until you don't fit in the womb anymore. And everywhere you push and everywhere you turn, you hit a wall and the wall is God's law and you cannot get past it. You push this way and you're condemned. You push that way and you're condemned. You push this way and you're condemned. And all a sudden an opening makes itself apparent it's a little narrow way it's not very big and it doesn't look like you can fit through that opening but as the holy spirit of god deals with you you begin as 
you yield to the Holy Spirit, you yield to Him the crushing pressure of the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God brings you through that birth canal and you give up your righteousness and you give up your good deeds and you give up your church membership and you give up your mommy and daddy's traditions and you give up your ideas and you give up your theology and you give up your scholarly books and you give up your understanding and you give up all your own righteousness and you yield to what only God can do and you say God be merciful to me a sinner you are born a new creature in that moment a literal living breathing spiritual man you say well I'm a female in the spirit there's neither male nor female good luck with that one You're born a literal, living, breathing, spiritual creature at that moment. Born again by the power of God. And that is what is required for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Nothing short of that will work. There are many who are stillborn. Who never would put their faith in Christ. The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. He's the Savior of all men, especially them that believe. Many people have gone through that birth canal only to be stillborn at the other side because they refused, refused to surrender to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit of God and lay down their own doctrines and their own religions. We've got stillborns in our pulpits all over this country. We've got stillborns in our seminaries all over this country that when God was dealing with them, they refused to obey the gospel and repent of their sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And now God has stopped dealing with them and they're stillborns and they have made a religion out of their own resistance and rebellion to the Holy Spirit of God. And they have found a way to justify their rebellion theologically and philosophically. And they have rested the scriptures and they're teaching their false doctrine of rebellion and resistance to the holy spirit all over our land today we are full of it today excuse me go to romans 7 i did not intend to take this long in john 3 we may have to do two parts to this i don't know because we are we're basically out of time we haven't even started that's the introduction Lord, have mercy on us. Just cut this up. What do you want us to do, Lord? Really, it, it, we just, what happened was John 3 was teaching everything that needed taught. So while there's many other scriptures on this subject, we really have covered the subject. Just right in John chapter 3. We were able to see enough of this to cover it. So we're just going to, for now, what we'll do is we'll just run through a few verses and we'll finish for today and if the lord leads us we'll go through and teach some more on it otherwise we'll just move on romans chapter 7 verse 14 for we know that the law is spiritual but i am carnal sold under sin the word carnal means flesh he says fleshly for we know that the law is spiritual but i am carnal sold under sin for that which i do i allow not for what i would that do i not but what i hate that do i if then i do that which i would not 
I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Now this sounds like a cop-out. He's saying it's not I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. But this goes back to that duality, dual nature of a true believer. Because the Holy Spirit of God has birthed a new, living, breathing spirit. But that man is still living in his body of flesh, of death, which is what Paul is explaining here. He says here, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So here he calls him the inward man. There's an outward man and an inward man. A man that is seen, a man that is not seen. Now there's a lie going around through all the world right now where they take this truth and apply it in all kinds of philosophical and mystical ways to try and teach people that they are currently walking with a living spirit and they become very spiritually minded. But the reality is that if you are not born again by the spirit of God, all of your spiritual exercises are nothing but sensual phony baloney it's soulish and what happens is the devil substitutes a spiritual power and the person works up a sensual soulish uh, either intellectual or willful or emotional reaction to that spiritual spirituality that the devil is feeding them to to keep them in blindness and darkness and they go on living what they call spirituality and they've experienced things, lots of things, but what they experience does not line up with the Bible. Again, if you, were, if you will not submit yourself to the word of God, you are dead in the water. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If your doctrine is not touchable, if, if you believe things, and I can show you scripture that directly divided and directly contextually applied that disproves what you believe and you will not change, you are a unbeliever. You are disobedient to the gospel you are disobedient to the word of God now there's times even in a believer's life where he's got something so set in his mind it takes time to change his mind I'm not saying that someone has to instantly cave as soon as they hear teaching contrary to what they've always learned it may take you some time but if you are a believer and you are exposed to an area of your life that is not biblical you will not be able to rest until you have hashed it out it may take you a while it may be a little while before you get it, but you won't be able to rest until you get it. And by the way, no man can do that for you. It's going to take you getting in the Bible, reading your Bible, getting on your face before God and just saying, God, I don't get it. Please show me your truth. And until you do that, and maybe it'll take you multiple times on your face before God before you get it. But until you do that before God, you're not going to get it. I can, I can try and teach it if I'm right about something, even if I'm right, and I'm bringing scriptures and teaching you, unless you will submit yourself to the word of God and the Holy Spirit of God and dig in the word yourself, you will not get it. We're not even going to get to go through all these verses today. We may study more of this out tomorrow because all we really got to deal with today was the birth of the new man, the reality, and the fact 
that there is a new man and an old man. And as far as applying that and taking the application of Colossians 3, 9, we didn't get there at all. So maybe we'll dig into that more um, tomorrow. We'll just pray and see what the Lord would have us do. But we're going to wrap it up today. Again, I cannot stress enough that all of this is based on your obedience to the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You're born again by the Spirit of God when you believe by faith in the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God. That's the absolute critical pivot point. According to your faith be it unto you. Lord, is there anything else that we need to look at today? Anything else? One more thing. Okay, one more thing that we need to look at. So you're, you're walking around in your flesh. You have a soul and a flesh. You're dead in trespasses and sins as a lost man, a dead spirit. You're trying to do right. You're trying to follow God. You don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. And the devil is going to offer you, we touched on this just a little bit, He's going to offer you sensual disciplines. He's going to offer you the opportunity to renovate your flesh, to reform your flesh. And there's all kinds of opportunities, especially in our day and age. You're going to have little small groups and self-help groups. You're going to have Alcoholics Anonymous and all kinds of stuff like that where you can get accountability partners. You're going to have Bible schools and seminaries where you can go and try to renovate your flesh. They're going to offer you sensual activities. By the way, by the way, if you get into this divisive fake tongues movement, there are true tongues in the Bible, true biblical tongues. And um, the Bible says forbid not to speak with tongues. But what goes on in the tongues movement is a fake tongues movement. How does it happen? What happens is someone with a soul and a flesh that wants to escape hellfire, that wants to be saved, comes along looking for anything to give them hope of eternity, and they turn to a sensual discipline. And the bunch of people, a lot of times, will get... Now, this isn't how everybody does it. This is how some people have expressed to me, testified of what happened to them, and I'm giving you the biblical understanding of what happened behind the scenes. They wanted something, and these people had something they didn't have. They had a spirituality about them that the party of the first part didn't have. So this guy shows up at church, and everybody tells him, do you believe in Jesus? Yes. I do. Have you spoken in tongues? No, I haven't. You've got to speak in tongues to be saved. Well, this man believes in Jesus in his mind. He believes in Jesus with his will. He believes in Jesus to a degree emotionally, but he has not been born again by the power of God because his faith has not come all the way down from the depths of his spirit, which is partly a work of God. God must initiate that work. And this man has not come to a place of resting completely in the finished work of Christ. He's still trying to make it or endure to the end or something like that. But he has a degree of faith in Christ, but not a saving faith in Christ where he has surrendered his own will, mind, and emotions and all that he is to Christ at the foot of the cross and called upon the Lord Jesus Christ plus nothing, minus nothing for salvation. There's still something in his heart that is holding him back from a total trust in Christ. Maybe it's his self-righteousness. Maybe it's all the tithe that he's paid into the church that he's deep in his heart. He doesn't even know it himself, but he's resting in those things. You can go and read the testimony of David Brainerd. If you want to see deep into the work of God in the salvation of a religious man, 
read the testimony of David Brainerd of how he got saved and the deep psychological, philosophical, theological battles that Satan warred in that man's soul to keep him from coming to Christ. God have mercy on us today. It makes me tremble in fear and question my own salvation and say, Lord God, is my faith completely and entirely in Christ? Or am I clinging to something of my own understanding? Am I clinging to something of my own righteousness? To this day, I still tremble. I know whom I have believed and the wind has blown in my life. But it still makes me pause and consider. And it ought to make you pause and consider and examine yourself whether you be in the faith. So here comes this man and he won't let go of his religious experiences. He won't let go of the time that he was down at camp and he prayed a sinner's prayer. And everybody slapped him on the back and he got baptized in the old creek. And he won't let go of that thing. He's still holding on to it. And he's holding on to it like a, like a waterlogged cork life vest in the middle of the ocean. And that thing's going to sink on him someday because he was never born again. But he's still holding on to that thing. He's not placed his faith in Christ. He's holding on. Here's, here's one in our Baptist circles a lot. And uh, a lot of people hold on to the date that they got saved. They remember the time and the place and they're holding on to that with both hands and all their heart instead of holding on to Jesus Christ. And here he is and he meets these people and they have an experience. They have an encounter. They have uh, something that he doesn't have. And he goes over there and they say, now you've got to speak in tongues just as one example. There are many examples. I'm going to pick on this one for just a second. They say, you've got to speak in tongues to be truly saved. You're only halfway there. He says, oh boy. And he gets down on the altar. Oh God, I want to be saved. Oh God, I want to know I'm going to heaven. Oh God, baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Oh God, give me the gift of tongues. And he's got a bunch of people all around him laying hands on him, men, women, children. And they're all muttering and mumbling all this gibberish and all this gobbledygook. And they say, just try it. Somebody, listen, I'm telling you based off the testimony of someone that I have heard at least once. I've read some testimonies of this effect. This does not characterize everyone that's ever gone through this kind of thing. But this is out there. And he says here, he's, somebody says to him, just try it. Just say something. And he'll go, blobbity blobbity blue. And half the people start shouting, hallelujah. And he gets little goosebumps and bump chilies up and down his spine. And he says, gobbledy gobbledy gook. And, half, and three more people, hallelujah. And they start shouting, hallelujah, whoop de doo Praise the Lord. And he starts doing more of it. And the more he does of it, the more the bump chilies run up and down the back of his spine until he's wiggling and he's quaking and he's shaking and he's just ha, ha, hooey, hobby. And he's saying all this gibberty gobbledygook. And next thing you know, he falls out flat on his back and everybody just starts dancing in the aisles. And they say, he got the real thing. And he gets up and goes on in a life of total sin and defeat with no power of God in him. 
He got a sensual discipline. You see what happens whenever you begin with your the power of your soul to try and touch spiritual things that you cannot comprehend because your spirit is dead in trespasses and sins. But you have not submitted yourself to the righteousness of God, to faith in Jesus Christ. And you're trying to do it in the power of your flesh. The devil is more than happy to supply some spiritual fireworks. And here he comes with some spiritual fireworks and he shoots off a spiritual firecracker right under your seat and you jump a little bit and you say, that wasn't from me. Something external just moved me. And he sets off a spiritual bottle rocket up underneath your left armpit and whoopy whoopy and you wiggle your arm and you move to the right and you go, wowzers, that wasn't me. Something just happened and it wasn't me. And he sets off a spiritual cherry bomb under your right armpit and you get laid out flat on the floor and you've got all kinds of sensations and you've got buzzing feelings and you see lights as as bright as a UFO coming to abduct you and you think now I've got it and that's exactly what Satan wanted because you have substituted sensual disciplines and sensual experiences for the power of Almighty God to redeem you from your sins and birth a new creature in you and make you a new creature in Christ. And now you're going to hold on to your little spiritual firecrackers till you go to hell. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. My prayer for you today is that you'll be born again. Born again by the Spirit of God. God wants you to put off the old man, which is corrupt. And he wants you to put on the new man. You cannot do that until you are born again by the power of God. How are you born again? It's absolutely simple. Just like birth. Birth is absolutely simple. But it's terrifyingly difficult. To the point... That in the Bible, some women died having childbirth. And that still happens even today with all of our modern medicine. Birth is a terrifyingly difficult process for the baby and often for the mother. That's why it's so good to have good helpers that can hold the mommy's hand and tell her it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. This is what needs to happen. By the way, that's the church's job in salvation. The church's job is to be a doula, a birth assistant. To help, and you're not helping the Holy Spirit, but you're helping that little baby come out like a midwife. Helping that little baby make its way through the birth canal and out. And if you get in there with your vacuum suction thing and your all your forceps and everything and try and pull that baby out by force, you're going to end up with a maimed and wounded baby. Boy, do we have those. That would preach all by itself. Boy, we're over time already. But that's what's happening all over this nation is the church has taken upon themselves to do the work, to do the work of the Holy Spirit. And we've gone in there and we're trying to jerk babies through the birth canal and they're coming out broken and maimed and ripped up and mangled and wounded for life because we didn't have the sense to have patience and wait on God to do it and pray and wait And just at the right moment, offer just the right little touch. A good midwife can work what looks like miracles in the birth of a baby. When that baby's stuck in the birth canal, that midwife can just gently reach to that baby and turn that baby's shoulder just so much. And here comes that baby right out the birth canal. 
that labor's going and going and going and that baby can't get through the birth canal and for maybe the and if you don't understand all these terms, that's okay. The young won't understand. If you understand, then you understand enough to get it. And if you don't, you don't, and that's okay. But the cervix isn't moving forward. It's not um, progressing. The birth canal hasn't opened for the baby yet. And the baby needs to get through there. And a wise midwife can, can find maybe there's a lip, a cervical lip, or something that is holding back the labor and instead of just leaving that baby in there to to fight it out and the mother to fight it out a good midwife can gently and naturally provide some some help in that birth canal and that baby come right out that's our job by the way have you got the real thing have you got the the have you been born again by the power of god we've been examining all of this are you still dead in your trespasses and sins how about all you folks out there you're living in open wanton sin but you claim to be full of the holy spirit you'll go dance in the aisles and roll around on the floor slain in the spirit every sunday and you're right back in fornication by sunday night and you guys, you'll jump and hoop and holler and raise your hands and shout. And you'll sing Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and wave back and forth and say the Spirit of God is in this place. And when you get out, you get in your car and you drive down the road. You're looking at porn on your phone before you even get to your house. You ain't got the Spirit of God. I say that in love. Lord, I don't even know how to close this thing out today. I feel like this is right where we need to be. I feel like this is what you have given us today and i sure don't want to spoil it father i pray lord that anything i've said that was carnal lord god that wasn't spiritual that you would just omit it lord from people's minds not let them stumble on it not for my sake or glory but lord so that they won't get stumbled i pray for every dear person that's here i pray for every dear soul lord god that will hear this message online lord that you would just minister to their spirit through it if they're lost lord god bring them under conviction of sin if they're saved give them understanding lord i didn't get this lord god because i'm super smart or because somebody taught it to me i got it because it's what your bible says and your spirit teaches it lord and lord the that's what they need lord is for your spirit to teach them i pray lord god that you'd help us to rightly divide the word of truth lord i really want to go on and preach the rest of this even right now but lord god i know i've got to i've got to go on lord unless that's what you want lord i just yield to you i pray that your will would be done in jesus name and for christ's sake amen Thank you.